Salut à toutes et à tous, bienvenue dans notre deuxième épisode de Réflexion d'Éditeur 2. Cette fois, c'est avril. Je m'appelle Robert Gonzalez 9001, j'espère que vous allez bien. Et ici, dans le studio, avec moi, et Arjuna, et... Euh, tu veux dire quelque chose, Arjuna Yeah, you know that most of our listeners speak English, right Quoi En français, s'il te plaît. Euh, tu sais que la grande majorité de nos auditeurs et auditrices soient anglophones, oui oh, Je sais que la grande majorité de nos auditeurs et auditrices sont anglophones. On a réussi beaucoup de choses depuis l'année dernière, mais le subjonctif, ce n'est pas encore ça. Ok, something's very wrong. You would never nitpick my grammar like that. Et, why don't you speak English? Pourquoi tu ne parles pas anglais Depuis que j'ai installé Fantasy Star Online, je ne parle qu'en français parisien. C'est à cause du logiciel anti-triche. Hey everyone, Editor Arjuna here. It's hard to remember numbers. Everyone in this episode means Fantasy Star Online too. Ever since you installed Fantasy Star Online, you only speak Parisian French, and it's because of the program... Uh, qu'est-ce que c'est le logiciel anti-triche? Bah, un moment. Je cherche la traduction. Voilà. The kernel level anti-cheat is making you speak Parisian French. Okay, um... Alors, s'il te plaît, monte à l'étage, parlez avec Pierre, dis-lui tout ce que tu m'as dit, et je vais continuer le podcast. D'accord, à très bientôt tout le monde. Uh, hey listeners, I'm as confused as you are, but, uh... Anyway, let's talk about La Maison Venture Sacrée, the game where we fight a literal volcano of negativity with the power of swears. On the last episode, I think I talked about how I wanted to make some particle effects for the health and marred power-ups. <sighs> okay, yes, I'm still laughing at marred being a magic measure. I'm 12. So I finished working my way through that VFX class that I linked in the last episode. Well, before I start, Check out the ArtStation post linked in the description, where I talk about my whole process with both the health and marred power-ups. Because there's all sorts of pictures in there that I can't show you in a podcast, because this is a podcast. So because the health power-up is a fleur-de-lis symbol in a 3D model, I knew I wanted to incorporate the fleur-de-lis somewhere else in the effects. And so, um, meanwhile, I found a different tutorial on making VFX in Substance Designer. And it had a section where it went through all of the basic nodes. And I am not super experienced with Substance Designer, but I knew the nodes better than the tutorial assumed. And I created this big graph where I took the fleur-de-lis symbol that ships with Substance Painter, imported it into Substance Designer, and just ran it through like a bunch of different permutations of all of the basic nodes. And I wound up with like 17 different alphas of the same symbol, all with different things going on with them, and just threw all of that into Unreal Engine to see what might look good. And I got some pretty cool stuff out of it. I didn't just get the uh, symbol for the whole fountain of fleur-de-lis uh, particles coming out from the health power-up. I also got that circular pattern of uh, symbols that happens when you pick it up. But after all that stuff in Substance Designer, because I still didn't fully know what I wanted to do with the effect, I did a sketch in just colored pencil uh, to sketch out what effects I wanted and when they would take place. 
Uh, and that's also in the ArtStation post. And then once I had uh, everything sketched out and all of the assets that I had already made imported, it was some fairly quick just trial and error um, playing around with the Sparks particle system that I uh, made as part of the VFX class. Um, the Fountain of Fleur de Lis uh, in the power-up is really just the Sparks particle system with the spawn rate turned down and turned 90 degrees and a couple other changes. Um, and before I move on to the Mard boost, uh, I do want to say one more thing about that VFX class and the different techniques that I learned in it, many of which are focused around creating a custom alpha. And I've just used the word alpha a whole bunch. Uh, for the non-game developers listening who might be asking, what the hell is an alpha? Uh, it's a black and white graphic that you make in, you know, any kind of 2D uh, graphics editing tool like Photoshop or GIMP or Krita. And it's used for things like Unreal's particle system to describe how visible something is supposed to be or not. So if, like, you've got a pixel that's, like, full white, it's going to be completely visible. If it's going to be completely black, it's invisible. If it's gray, it's somewhere in between. But anyway, you can get very fancy with these alphas. So for things like fire effects, you can make all sorts of realistic or stylized-looking flames uh, in tools like Photoshop or GIMP or Krita. And as I learned in the VFX class, it can help to have a Wacom tablet or a graphics tablet. There are a heck of a lot of functions in Krita, which I use to make alphas for the class, that try to simulate physical brushes but it doesn't really work with a mouse. It is meant to work with a tablet. And so I might, I don't know, I might get a tablet to uh, make custom alphas. As one short search on Amazon will tell you, they can be kind of pricey, although there's some cheaper models out there that'll be good enough for what I want to do. It's still a question. Uh, anyway, let's talk about Malk. And yeah, I did have a Mard uh, power-up at the end of the first episode. But uh, a couple of things made me want to come back to it. One, I did a little stress test where I duplicated the power up, I don't know, 8, 16 times or whatever to see what it would do to the frame rate. And it definitely hurt the frame rate. I think I was at 120 frames per second, like not looking at it, and it cranked it down to 40 or 50. Definitely not going to work when I've got everything else on screen. And I think the reason it didn't work is because I used a light renderer in the particle system that was emitting the little particles on top of the poop emoji, uh, which means that every particle that gets emitted uh, is a little virtual light bulb that emits light in the environment. And to quote this Unreal optimization guide that I'm looking at right now, it will be linked in the description, this does well to light our emitter, but it creates a performance problem. At any one time, there are about 500 particles in the system. Having a light on all 500 of those particles, even if they are only simple lights, will be quite expensive. Uh, I don't think I had 500. Well, yeah, I think I had well more than 500 after duplicating all of those uh, poops. <laughs> and I wish I had found this uh, guide earlier because apparently you can set it up so that only some of the particles are emissive which means that you have fewer things casting light and fewer computations to go with it. So maybe I'll come back to this and change it. That's really getting into polish. Um, 
one rule I have about game development is that a little polish early on in the process is okay. Uh, a, because it can be kind of demoralizing looking at the same temp assets for too long. And B, it's kind of in the nature of a large creative project, like getting significant amounts of work done in one area can solve problems in other areas in ways that aren't really obvious when you're doing the initial deep work, if that makes any sense. Because everything is connected to everything else, man. Everything really is connected to everything else, man, in both gardens and video games. But, you know, once I changed it over to a sprite emitter, so it's not emitting any light, or at least the cone of fleur-de-lis coming out of the poop emoji don't emit any light. Um, I think it looked good. And yeah, I might come back to it. But that there is still something emissive, and that's the poop itself. That was just uh, some simple material scripting so that um, I create a little rainbow graphic, uh, set it up to scroll across the UVs of the mesh uh, per unit time at a specific rate, plug that into the emissive channel, boom. It's emitting uh, a kind of sherbet uh, color, and I kind of wish it was a little more saturated. Um, I remember coming across a forum thread that, like, it has to do with uh, some tone mapping settings that's, like, deep, deep in the engine. Uh, and, uh, yeah, again, it's another thing that I might come back to later, but it's just not a high priority right now. And then, of course, just like I had that little circular pattern of fleur-de-lis when you pick up the health boost, I have to create some effect when you pick up the poop emoji. Hence the rainbow fart cloud. I, I don't even remember where the rainbow fart cloud uh, came from. But that's just how game development works for me. It's I, Ideas will just accrete in my head uh, as I'm working on things. And if the stars are aligned, if the poop emojis are aligned correctly, they make it into the game. Come in. Hey. Oh, hey, it's Pete. What happened, man? He's a French stereotype. Yeah, I uninstalled Fantasy Star Online. I added the English language pack, but the only way we're going to be sure that he's out of the woods is if we recompile the kernel and restart. So what's he doing now? He's upstairs smoking a cigarette with Edith Piaf on repeat. And I think we both know what song he's listening to. La Vie en Rosa. Well, while you're here, do you want to tell the listeners how your French is going? Sure. Uh, what are you going to do? I'm going to tell him there's a sale on Camembert at the Hannaford in Portland, but he can only come with if he doesn't smoke on the way down. That way I can stop whatever damage the smoke is doing to his circuits, and it'll be enough time to and from Portland for the colonel to finish recompiling. Wish me luck. Good luck. This subplot was a bad idea. Well, bonjour, hi, everybody. Let me just bring up my little outline here. Uh, so I finished uh, my second intermediate class with Alliance Francaise of Boston, and... Um, Towards the end, I took this online test on TV Saint Monde, which is a French TV network that quizzes your oral comprehension. And I tested at B2, and this means I can understand spoken French as well as someone who's fluent in it. So that's awesome. My next class with them starts in the middle of January, and in the meantime, I am about 85% done with Duolingo's French tree, and... On Christmas Day, no less, I hit my one-year streak. 
once the Duolingo stuff is done, there's this app that's uh, put together by uh, the CBC, Canada's state TV network, uh, that's dedicated to like using clips from TV shows and movies in Quebec uh, to help people learning either of the two official languages. Um, so I think I'm going to move on to that. Um, but... Uh, this, and this is very important. There's a restriction that you can only use it if you're in Canada. So I'm totally only going to use it when I visit Montreal. Uh, what's a VPN? I don't know what a VPN is. Do you know what a VPN is? Um, Duolingo has this thing where you can like follow other users and like see their progress and things like that and compete with them. So while I'm talking to a podcast audience, if you want to uh, go check out my Duolingo profile and compete with me. Uh, the link is in the, 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 the link is in the description. Look for the Fonz profile pic. You can't miss it. Uh, but I will say that you will eat my dust uh, because I have a language learning motivation that most language learners don't have, and that is fear of impending fascist doom every day that I feel like I want to slack off on my French. I go on the politics subreddit and if the headlines don't motivate me, every day I close my eyes, I see the face of Kyle Rittenhouse on Duo's body, brandishing an AR-15, and I keep doing lessons. On a less macabre note, uh, I got uh, two books for Christmas, uh, which are going to help. One book is about uh, making game assets in Blender, and the other is the programming side of 3D graphics using OpenGL. Both of these books happen to be entirely in French. And yes, I know from experience most people in IT speak English, even if it isn't their first language. But from looking at various job descriptions that I've seen and things that people in the game dev scene in Quebec have told me, they expect you to be fluent in both French and English. So if when I get to the interview stage, I want to be able to say that I can have every possible conversation with my co-workers that I would have in English in both languages. And in order to do that, I need to learn the kinds of sentences that come up when you're talking about things like a graphics programming API. So, like I said at the beginning, my oral comprehension is a lot better now. I can more or less follow along with Toulamont d'Amparo, the big talk show up in Quebec. Um, it kind of depends on the subject, uh, if it's something I'm more interested in, I'm more likely to understand it. And it also depends on the strength of the guest's accents. So the next to the last episode I watched, they had like two guests on there. Uh, one was Robert Charbois, who's some famous rock star up there. Um, uh, and he's got a strong accent. He, he writes a lot of his song lyrics in Joal, which is uh, Quebec French slang. I had a very hard time following his segment, especially since I'd never heard of him. So I was like, who's this guy? What does he do? Why is the host drinking a beer with the guy's face on it? But then they got to Gabriel Nadeau-Dubois, who you can think of as the Bernie Sanders of Quebec. And he's got an accent, but he speaks in this very slick, very controlled way uh, that makes him a lot easier to understand. Oh yeah, and I'm subscribed to like four or five different YouTubers who make videos just for people learning French. And I'd say when I started, uh, or at least you know months ago, uh, I would turn on the closed captions uh, because I needed them, and I would be lost if I didn't have them. 
but now I'll still turn them on, but it'll either only be because they used a word that I don't know, or I don't even need it, and I'll feel a little guilty having it there. Uh, do I have anything else to talk about? I don't think I do. And Arjuna is probably left already. Hang on a sec. Arjuna? Arjuna? Robo Gonzalez? Okay, they're out, so I'm going to cut it here, and future Arjuna will take over. Bye, everyone. But first, a promo. Mm. Oh. Too young for this trek. The final frontier. These are the voyages of... MC. Troy. And Eric. Their mission to introduce Tyler to strange new episodes. To seek out the best and worst media in the Star Trek franchise. To boldly go where several podcasts have probably gone before. You can listen to these goobers talk about Star Trek by searching for Too Young for This Trek or by visiting probablywork.com. They did have time on back. And <clears throat> Pete may have thought the subplot was stupid, but Robo Gonzalez was so busy making some delicious barbecued camembert, he stopped smoking, and we recompiled his kernel. Uh, we haven't tested everything out yet, so I don't know if we're rid of the French stereotype, but I'm reasonably sure we are. And it just goes to show you that a lot of life's problems can be solved with French cheese. Now let's get back to the game. Now one of the things that I wanted to work on since the last episode was to make the steez, the little, you know, communion wafer projectiles, uh, destructible. Because when I was thinking about what kind of particle effects they should emit on impact, uh, those things are, like, very dry and uh, crusty, so uh, they wouldn't, like have any flour or dust anything that would go off them it would just it would just break apart so uh unreal 4 does have an old destructible geometry system that i could have used for it but it's deprecated so i had to upgrade the project to unreal 5 first now i wanted to wait on that as long as possible because i come from unity land where upgrading a project can cause all sorts of problems. I also come from WordPress land, where upgrading your blog can cause lots of problems. Or it used to cause lots of problems back in the early 2010s-ish. Or really any kind of system where you do a massive upgrade that switching from Unreal 4 to 5 seemed like. But it largely worked out. Um, now, when you upgrade, uh, there's a little window that pops up that asks if you want to upgrade in place or you want to create a new copy of the project. Now, I thought, hey, I've got source control. I don't need to make no stinking copy. I, I needed to make a stinking copy because, uh, well, first, there was a problem with the list of plugins. I had uh, substance integration 
and uh, a linter, which, uh, for those of you who don't know the term, is just something that would go over my code to make sure that I'm keeping to like best practices and how my code is formatted uh, and things like that. I think it also applies to Blueprints, which is Unreal's uh, visual scripting system. Those plugins were not set up to work with Unreal 5, so I had to basically get rid of them. Uh, I did, however, run into something, again, still attempting to upgrade the project in place, where it was looking for the Megascans plugin, and it only saw Bridge, or it was looking for Bridge, and it saw Megascans. I can't remember which one. And what's extra weird is they're kind of the same thing. Again, for those of you who don't know uh, what Megascans or Bridge is, so Epic bought uh, Quixel, which is this company that makes really, really fancy photogrammetry assets, things like photorealistic rocks, logs, uh, cliff faces, things like that. Uh, and they created a plugin that allows you to easily import those assets into your Unreal project. So I had gotten that set up so that I could create the foliage for the landscape that uh, folks have seen before. And yeah, I guess there was some sort of name change that threw everything for a loop. So I went, all right, fine, I'll just create a copy, and I hope this doesn't mess up my source control. And those of you who do software development know that whatever source control system you're using, uh, Except for Mercurial, I've heard, but I haven't done anything with it. Um, if you so much as look at Git or Perforce the wrong way, it will break down on you. <laughs> uh, that's been my experience, at least. Um, but no, uh, it looks like just because Unreal copied everything over, including the Git configuration files, and by the way, I'm using Git, it was just fine and I could commit the changes. Uh, let's see, what other notes did I have here? I'm now going to use the, I think it's called Chaos uh, Destructible Geometry and, uh, plugin that Unreal 5 has for the STEEZ. That's something to handle in the next uh, hand of uh, cards. And another thing that's definitely on the agenda is integrating a lot of fancy Unreal 5 uh, features like Nanite, uh, which uh, is supposed to make polygon budgets, uh, if not obsolete, then certainly not the same way you would approach them. Lumen, the new lighting system, uh, I need to look into that, figure out how that's going to mesh with the uh, sky and weather system that I already have set up, which was very much an Unreal 4 thing, uh, and then take a look into whatever it is they're doing with the terrain system. I might replace the landscape material, which, don't get me wrong, has been hugely useful. Very grateful to Wayne Robson for his tutorials, but it's currently the least performant thing in the entire project. I've been able to get my frame rate down to like 50, 40 frames per second. And I'm, I know premature optimization is the root of all evil, but I definitely want to see if I can find a better solution. Oh, and as it currently stands now, there's no collision on the trees or stumps or rocks. It's all like foliage. Uh, from the perspective of the engine, and there's no collision on it, so we have to look into that. Um, oh yeah, like I said, I'm using Git and uh, AWS's code commit for uh, hosting uh, for my source control repo. It's not as frictionless as something like GitHub Desktop or even to a limited extent Perforce when you're using it right, but it still works fine to keep track of the different versions of the project as it develops. 
Um, I picked it because it has higher uh, storage limits on, I think, both individual files and the overall size of the repo that you commit to. And it's also free, so I'm not helping to pay for a Jeff Bezos dick rocket beyond my usual Amazon purchases. But hey, like Doom Guy and Sonic the Hedgehog said, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. Oh yeah, um, I did add the feature that uh, I definitely wanted to get done this time, this hand, uh, and that is if you hold down the T key, you start a twerking animation, and that twerking animation, as long as you're holding the T key down, and you know I can map that to other buttons on controllers, will slowly replenish your marred bar. At some point, I'm going to have to get serious about the social media marketing side of this, and I, I want to make a TikTok of Jacques twerking to a Quebecois folk song. I've got one picked out. Do... Oh yeah, speaking of TikTok, I joined Gameplay.Space, which is a co-working space in Montreal, because um, I figured it would be good for networking, and they also give these talks uh, that are game development related like uh, a talk on uh, indie games marketing with TikTok, because TikTok is a really good way to get your stuff out there. If you're a game developer, I feel like a lot of stuff that I've posted on Twitter tends to go to other game developers who might still be interested in it, but trying to get out to a mass market is it's often a lot harder on Twitter. So I have been sharing the slides from that talk uh, with a lot of people, and I will put that in the description, too. Uh, I, I know I've been saying hand for a couple of times, so if this is your first episode of this that you're listening to, I use a project management solution called Codex, which allows you to create a bunch of little tickets for all the different tasks that come up in a game development project, and you can organize them into hands. So... That's just a collection of seven or ish cards. You can just keep in one place to keep track of them, and you can move them, delete them, assign priorities to them, uh, assign them to assign them to different people on your team, what have you. And I'm kind of, I've kind of decided that I'll record a new episode of this podcast every time that I complete a hand, just to update folks on how things are going. So what I think I want to do for the next hand, like. The one that just ended was very art-focused. It was almost entirely setting up particle effects on assets that I had already imported. And while that's good, because one place that I really want this game to stand out is the particle effects, I have to focus on gameplay for this next hand. It would really suck if this game went viral while I still had a lot of gameplay work left to do, but the art was so attractive to people uh, that it created a false impression that the game was very close to release. And then I have a bunch of people emailing or trying to contact me asking when the game's out or what console it's going to be on. Yeah, that would suck. Fortunately, that's just a hypothetical. Uh, speaking of gameplay, I played a whole bunch of video games that have been sitting in my Steam and or Epic Game Store library lately. If you don't know, a lot of this gameplay works on sort of imagining Les Sacs, the famous Quebecois swear words, uh, as magic spells, and those magic spells having different effects, and being able to combine those swear words together. So Skyrim is the obvious reference for a similar mechanic that has been implemented in a video game, but there are others out there. And so I played a whole bunch of them just to get an idea of how uh, you would execute on an idea like this. And... I played a couple other games that didn't necessarily try to do that, but 
they had some nice looking particle effects in them. And I wanted to gather some reference for the health and magic boosts. So I have a bunch of short and snappy game reviews for you in a segment that I like to call Mr. Snazzy's Snappy Reviews. <laughs> but first, a moment of silence for our dearly departed, dedicated husband, father, rapper, crowing enthusiast, Handsome Harry. And now the new rooster on the block is Mr. Snazzy. Now, Mr. Snazzy likes video games just as much as Handsome Harry did, but he's got a lot on his plate lately. He's got a whole bunch of hens to keep track of. He has to preen. He has to stand up and look important. He has to tidbit every time the food bearer comes and brings treats. He just doesn't have time for a long review. So I created a bunch of short paragraph-ish uh, reviews of various video games that I've played to help give him an idea of all the fun stuff out there. Now, all these little micro-reviews are based on the first 30 minutes to 2 hours of play, except where I played all the way to the end, and I will tell you if that happened. And I have three different ratings. Uh, go buy it, buy it if it's on sale, or don't buy it. And our first game is Fantasy Star Online 2. It is awesome, and tied with Edge of Eternity for the most relevant VFX to La Mésaventure Sacrée. I love the Fantasy Star series. I'm right now playing through Fantasy Star 4. Bill's got a Let's Play series going with Fantasy Star 2. Go check that out. I love this game, but it is largely ruined by four words I hate almost as much as Make America Great Again. Colonel level anti-cheat. I might be able to put up with it if my work computer weren't also my gaming computer. Hashtag game dev problems. But I'm just not going to reinstall it because from everything I understand, they haven't patched all of the potential security vulnerabilities. And look what it did to Robo Gonzalez. I still haven't figured out how this game turned him into a French stereotype. So bottom line, don't buy it unless you're okay with Colonel Level Anti-Cheat. Anodyne 2. Awesome. Love the concept of the dust. Reminds me of the mist from Legend of Lagaya, which is an old school late 90s RPG. I love the switch back and forth between 2D Zelda-esque dungeons and a 3D overworld and a weird fantasy setting that isn't at all cliche like most RPG worlds. Bottom line, go buy it. Canaria. This is Tacoma meets At the Mountains of Madness. Perfect. This is the only game I played all the way to the end because it was that good. It's part of a collection of Lovecraftian horror games all from the same studio. I totally want to check them all out in the next lifetime when I hope I have more free time for video games. Bottom line, don't just go buy it, buy the collection. Saints Row the Third Remastered. It's GTA on meth. If the meth that GTA were on were on meth. I haven't played the original, it's way better than the GTA remasters, am I right? That said, it doesn't seem super different from GTA. Again, at least from the first 20 minutes, I got through the, like, sort of tutorial-esque intro missions that they give you, and those survival missions wiped me out. Bottom line, buy it if it's on sale. Soma. It's a Canarium-like horror game, but the plot feels kind of like a manatee ball pit. You've got a guy with a brain injury, time travel, an underwater base, and robots gone mad. Bottom line, Buy it if it's on sale. Slime Rancher. I might have liked it more if I put in more time. It's slightly anxiety-inducing because I didn't know if I was taking care of my slimes properly. Maybe I'll come back to this later and the verdict will change, but... Bottom line, buy it if it's on sale. SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated. It's like watching SpongeBob. I love it. Especially since this came out after my cartoon watching days were largely over, and with all the memes, I felt like I was missing out a little. This is one of the games on the list that I have since come back and played some more of, because I do like it a lot. Uh, bottom line, go buy it. Ukulele. 
This is, of course, Banjo 3E. Absolutely meets expectations, has the kind of cool VFX you would expect from a modern Banjo-Kazooie. Go buy it. Deadly Premonition Director's Cut. This is a Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie in video game form. That is a very high compliment in my book. Don't come in expecting a conventionally good game, expect an MST3K episode, and you will not be disappointed. This is the game I'm most likely to go back and finish because I enjoy it that much. And, yeah, I have played this multiple times uh, since I wrote this up. Bottom line, go buy it. Magicka 2. Very cool magic spell system and clearly a lot of thought put into the environmental effects and their interactions with the spells. Excellent writing. Very useful from a design perspective on what I want to do with Lesak for my own system. Go buy it. Edge of Eternity since 2019. You remember, I did a, uh, your weekday, month, millennium, decade, city, time, person, camera, man, reviews episode about it before, in the before time. Nowadays, it is way cooler than two years ago. Monster encounters are more Earthbound-like in that you get the advantage uh, if you time stuff right. Battles are just the right kind of difficult. They added a prologue that better fleshes out and explains the story. And it's still moddable, which you do not find in a lot of RPGs. Still go buy it. Well, there's the ending crow. This ends Mr. Snazzy's snappy reviews. And that almost ends this episode, but I do have one final note, because traveling to Quebec and meeting other game devs and talking with them about this game also is very much tied up with the development of the game overall. And, oh boy, trying to travel to Canada has been a shit show these past few months. For one thing, the border only opened in August, and even before the Omicron surge, a lot of meetups were still virtual. And assuming the provincial limits on indoor gatherings don't force all meetups to go online completely, I have to start going to in-person meetings again. At the end of January, there are a few things I want to check out. And so, episode 3 might be uh, a little bit more like the old Thoughts to and from Boston episodes. Although, yeah... <laughs> Who knows what the title for that is going to be. Maybe something like Thoughts to and from the Montreal editor by way of Sherbrooke Toronto edition. This time it's in Ottawa. Uh, because I've found game dev meetups that I want to stop by in all four of those cities. Yeah, that's all I have now. Stay safe, everybody. And Super Arjuna Butt said at everyone, hey guys, I want to wish you all a happy new year. Discord is full of copy pasted new year messages that people don't even read and just forward to other servers. I don't like that. I like to write what I deeply wish and what comes from my heart. Our friendships, from the most deep ones to the most virtual ones are very important and will never be represented by a simple message copied from elsewhere. This being said I would like to thank all of you. You are the best hockey team I've ever played with. A big hug, Tommy. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at Probably Work for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. Have you ever tried eating a corned beef sandwich in zero gravity? Are you a veteran of the Great Emu War of 1932? Do you long for a simpler time when the world's greatest global crisis involved horse manure? If, if the, the answer, answer to any of these questions, questions was no, then, then we, we have, have the, the podcast, podcast for you. Epic Fails of History. A podcast that delves into the most epic fails of, um, history. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. The only thing we have to fear is... Fear itself. Oh, no.
Epic Fails. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We've got more random tales of fail coming your way, so stay tuned for more epic fails of history.